Nobody checking for me podcast. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. And I'm Cody Wilkins. And boy, oh boy, am I glad to be back and to have y'all with us. Rach, how we living, fam? What's good? We are living fast and dirty as usual. Just kidding. Slow and dirty in that I don't shower enough and I don't do shit. How hey. are you living? You know, I'm over here uh feeling decent, you know. Ooh. Feeling type decent, really uh, enjoying every single day of Black History Month. Um, I will say I got a a hard and fast answer for who I'm checking for today, though. Ooh, I would love to hear it. So the Super Bowl is behind us, and uh, I've been on Twitter. Sometimes when I get on Twitter, I'm really excited that I don't have to say anything because all the things have already been said. The Atlantic came out and was asking, is Tom Brady now the greatest athlete of all time with seven Super Bowl rings and yada out the bam and I was like and didn't have to say anything because everybody was like excuse me real quick uh Simone Biles uh sorry have you ever heard of a right. Serena Williams um right. excuse me have you ever heard of a and the the list is just so 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 long so I am uh, now really actively checking for just highlight videos of Serena Williams like smacking motherfuckers while pregnant right. you know what I mean just right. like Simone Biles, double, quadruple, mick flipple, back flipping, double dipping in a saucing. You know what I'm saying? Right. All the highlight videos. My YouTube history is longer than 28 days worth of black people doing phenomenal shit athletically. And I appreciate The Atlantic for asking such a dumbass question to push me in such a wonderfully athletic Afro-American direction. So, you know, I feel I feel pretty great about that. Thank you, The Atlantic. Wow, yeah. I mean, I I want to say I kept using Tom Brady and his racist ass as my excuse for not watching the Super Bowl. But honestly, I probably wouldn't have watched it uh, even if it was <laughs> no. If it honestly, if it was Colin Kaepernick, I would have watched it. I would have yeah. watched it for Colin Kaepernick. That would have been history. And you know what? I, I will say this: Tom Brady is a is an accomplished athlete. And um, the end. Right. Tom Brady uh, looks like he might have been storming the Capitol at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the aesthetic. He has capitalized. Uh, I'm not going to take away from the hard work that he's done, but, yo, he's absolutely capitalized on the privilege, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I, I just, I, but uh, the idea that someone could fix their lips on, as they say, Al Gore's internet, to say that he is the greatest athlete of all the greatest athletes of all time. I also learned about this other guy whose name I don't remember and I'm not going to butcher. But I think he he's a Southeast Asian, I believe, or like an Indian squash player who apparently mm. has won 555 matches in a row. Like became a world champion at 17 and then won 555 professional matches in a row. So it's just like... When we really talk about the greatest athlete of all time, we got to stop thinking inside of the American bubble. That's so true. You know? Like, That's so ugh. true. Damn, I like don't even know athletes like that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, right. I'm like I'm like scraping my mind. I'm like, who can I pull? I was like, who can I pull up to add to this conversation? Drawn a blank. Right. Um, 
<laughs> drawn a big ass blank. I had to stop for a long time watching sports because while they were very exciting and a great opportunity to get together and be social with people in the world before double masking, uh, it just reminded me of the ways I fell short in my life. Right. So now, oh yes, same. Uh, I, I'm away from it. You know what? I I'm, I need to tap back into the WNBA. I feel like that's really for me. Candace Parker just came back to Chicago. Are you serious? Hell yeah. Um, I was about to start talking about Lisa Leslie, which you know I've been out the game for a minute. <laughs> if she is still my reference, but I do love Lisa. Um, I need to tap tap in, especially because it is my dream to one day own a WNBA team. If Kel- if Kelly Leffler's bitch ass gets to do it, then I should get to do it. And you know, I do plan on being the female George Soros. Uh, Yo, that's Kelly, kind of where I'm sitting at. Kelly Leffler made history despite losing this election she made history by being the first person to ever get dunked on by an entire WNBA team at once (laughs) when the the Atlanta Dream stepped out with vote Warnock shirts on I was like damn run it back we're running back slow motion slow motion you can't even put a picture in slow motion oh it was amazing oh man but yo I I support that dream for you I want that for you I want I want you to win all of your labor disputes so that you can stack all them coins and go buy you a WNBA team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like Fox News will be like that Rachel Jarofsky controlling the weather with her lasers. <laughs> and where are her horns? And we'll be back in. <laughs> and after this, we'll be back. Uh, oh, man. No, that's why I guess I'm checking for being the the uh, the future female George Soros. But in the here and the now, I'm actually checking for something quite practical, which is a new therapist. Yeah. Um my, how do I say it? My therapist uh, left the game completely. He said, 2020 was a rough one for me. I am making a career change. And wow. right. I was just sort of like, oh, wow. He um, had to he, protect his peace by abandoning everyone else's. He's, uh, you know, yeah, he's going into tech. He's like, I'm starting up anything but this. Um, but... <laughs> It's no, it really does. But you know, I got that government insurance, so it's it's hard to, I guess, I guess for therapists, it's kind of hard to be in the long, being being that forever, you know. Um, so now I'm sort of just like, well, where do we go from here? Last time this happened, I didn't get back in. I didn't get another therapist for another two years. So I guess I'm just gonna sort of wait for one to come to me. That's not how you do mental health. You know. To be a therapist, you're in a taxing industry. Unlike to be in the tech space where they don't tax those motherfuckers at all. So I understand his move. And, you know, I can't blame him. But, you know, I can't, I would never blame someone for putting their happiness first. But, like, go, being a therapist for, you know, going through school and being a therapist for, like, a limited amount of time and then being like, ah, this is a little too much. I think I'm going to go into this other, I think I'm going to go into tech, which will be lower emotional maintenance and make me exorbitant more amounts of money. A little bit reminds me of, like, the Teach for America teacher who's like, I'm going to be a teacher forever and I'm going to learn how to be a teacher in all of five minutes and I'm going to move from rural, you know, fucking South Dakota to inner city, wherever to change the world. And oh, what? I'm here and it's a charter school and it's a nightmare. Never mind. I'm going to be a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> and then no one takes teachers seriously. So it's not that I'm side eyeing him, but when he told me that, I was like, 
And, you know, just like that, we maybe lost my therapist as a listener. <laughs> what are you going to do? But here, You know what? I can't fault you for not knowing that about his character because that just means that while he was doing his job, he was doing his job, which was mm. to shut the fuck up and not talk about himself, but rather, let's see. Here's a problem with, uh, this is one of the many problems with our healthcare system is when you have to go through the channels that we have to go through, which are not the here's an arm and a leg's worth of money to get the top-notch doctors, right? whether it's like, and this is no disrespect to the actual physicians and doctors and professionals, but whether it's like a headache or like an emotional pain, if your health insurance sucks, the prescription and the solution for all of it is just a bag of dicks. You know, mm. it's just like, here is a bag of dicks. Go figure it out on mm-hmm. your own. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming mm-hmm. in. Sorry about the long wait. We've got your bag of dicks right here. Uh, go get it. Go get a better job. They can get you better health care. And you're like, thank you so much for this bag of dicks. I actually have 12 other bags of dicks at home. So I guess I'll just add this to the bunch. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But I got to say, you know what isn't a bag of dicks is our guess. Oh, no, not at all. I just guess is not a bag of dicks. In fact, <laughs> she's she's the opposite. Um I'm not fast enough to think on my feet for what the, the, the direct opposite of a bag of dicks would be. Um, but I think our guest is the perfect antonym for it. <laughs> I would say that. And all our listeners, feel free to send us a DM on on Instagram at Ain't Nobody Checking For Me Pod for what the opposite of a bag of dicks is. Hit us with that. And hey, we might play that shit next episode. Who knows? But we're in this episode. And in this episode, you got to wait for the beat to come in for you to hear who we're interviewing. Let's hear it. <laughs> Right, and we are back. I already know you love the music break. Shout out, Nate. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, foes, family, we are in the virtual studio today with Chicago's own Chandra Russell. After growing up in the best city in the world, uh, unabashedly shy till she died, Chandra graduated from the esteemed NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and now makes more moves than a U-Haul truck in Los Angeles as a booked and busy actress, writer, and producer. She writes for and stars in the Comedy Central show Southside, truly one of the funniest shows out there. Yes, I am biased. And she recently co-created a new half hour that's coming to NBC called Black Girl Magic, while most impressively co-creating a whole last child at the same time. Hello, Chandra, and thank you for being with us. How are you? Hello, I'm so good. Wow, that's neat. Hey, hey that's mean, what we're here for. What an <laughs> intro. We're famously good at the intros. We are. Ooh. I have to say that. Y'all need to start a band, the intro. You just do that. I will come to the show. That was amazing. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. We're so excited to have you because we are also CPS kids. Um, Gang, gang. Me and Cody are Whitney Young grads. Um, you went to your LP grad? Lincoln Park, yes, LPHS, yes. Mm-hmm. I I almost went to LP. That drama program, very close oh to God. going to you, that. You would have been there with. You should have come. Were you? Were you? I, I was going to ask. Were you in the drama program, the yes. esteemed Lincoln Park drama program? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which I think is also like the only 
public high school drama program is the only free one. But yeah, I was. Yeah. Shout out, Mr. Frelick. Wow. That's, and that's where it all begins. And did you, are you from the Lincoln Park area? Did you go to grammar school around there too? No, no, not at all. Um, I went to grammar school in West Englewood at Ace okay. Philip Randolph Magnet. And then um, I moved to High Park. And so I went to Ray. Hey. Ray Elementary. Yeah. Where'd you stay in High Park? I'm from High Park. I stay on 50th and Blackstone, right by Kenwood. Right, like oh, literally okay. across the street. Um, 54th and University. Get out. I went to Murray. Yeah. Were, oh, you went to man. Murray? Yeah. I don't I know. know about I don't know what's up with Murray kids. I mean, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of back and forth between Murray and Ray kids, and my whole thing was it's a four letter difference and a five block split. What what are we talking about? Here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? but I, I don't know. It just felt like always like when you met a, a Murray kid, like like they were so rare or something. It was like, wait, you go to Murray? Damn, that's crazy. Um, but it really is the same. It's like <laughs> High Park kids. It's such a small like teeny bubble, but yeah. that's still my favorite neighborhood in the whole world. I love that neighborhood. I feel like I that's swear. probably, like, I went to Franklin, which is not far from uh, from Lincoln Park, and Franklin and Lil' Lincoln kids were like, hey, step off, type thing. <laughs> 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 like, not cool, like, little uh, 12-year-old rivalry. Uh, right. So you were at a Magnet Grammar School. You must have been doing some performing there as well. Um, mm-hmm. No, because, well, yes and no. Um, we had Saturday school, uh, which, you know, now in retrospect, and as a parent, I'm like, all right, this was definitely like a way to just like have your kids out of the house for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was like super good because, you know, at the time, West Engle was like all black neighborhood. And so like the Saturday school was like super black. Like uh, our language was Kiswahili, you know, jumbo su jumbo, you know what's up. Uh, and so we did have a drama program there, and like we did a play called The Calabash Children, which is like steeped in, in some African folklore. And mm-hmm. that was the first thing that I acted in. And, um, and I played a villain, and it just, I played a fox, and it just brought me alive because I was like terribly shy before that moment. Mm-hmm. And my teacher, you know, Mama Africa was her name. <laughs> she, you know, brought me, brought me out. But so we did in Saturday school, but not like in an everyday curriculum. Right. I mean, it was a magnet school, but it's also in the hood. So right. <laughs> right. we don't have the same amenities. I hear that. Um, no, that, and Chicago, I feel like Chicago's got the comedy. It's got like the Goodman school. You know, I feel like I was, the Goodman was right around the corner from us. Like, I do feel like Chicago has like that live theater vibe to it. Do you feel like it growing up there, especially in your LP days, like shaped you as a performer? For sure. Um, I think what's interesting about Chicago is like, it is a city where everybody thinks that they are the funniest person in the world, right? Like Mm. everybody's funny. Like your man who works at the post office is funny. You know, everyone is, is funny. And so I feel like you are like constantly sharpening your skills, you know, because roasting at the lunch table is just that's the everyday occurrence. And like, mm-hmm. nobody is, you know, gentle on you because you're a girl. Like, nobody cares. You know, I had a little mustache coming in. This boy called me Mariah Harry. And that was, <laughs> you know, that was a moment for me. I was like, I was, I was stunned. I had, I had no, nothing to say. And I was like, that will never happen to me again. Right. Right. <laughs> no. I will not be Mariah Harry. And so, Dominique, thank you, sir. You know, I had to come back in. <laughs> Had to flame that ass. Um, but I do think, like, as I got older, like, just being able to see so much theater and, like, the talent in Chicago is, like, 
is incredible because these are people who are doing it for the love. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to sustain and not have, you know, any additional job and be acting in Chicago, particularly if you're doing, like, theater. So, you know, you're a cop in the daytime and you're doing theater at night. Like, you're doing this because you love it. And, yeah. you know, and I think that does make a difference. Not just trying to be famous. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that that hits it right on the head, especially with the industry, like the capital I industry being on the coast. That that mm-hmm. really is, like, in Chicago. That I, mean, I think that, to your point, doing it for the love really sharpens the craft and I think has allowed folks to bounce to the coast and make things happen. It's why, you know, I think what the the whole room, I feel like at, at Southside of the creators of Southside are all folks from Chicago out in LA crushing it. You know that you take that humble, hardworking, cold character building comedy uh, out to 72 and sunny and it's just like, ah, oh, we could do this, you know? So that's, yeah. that's not surprising yeah. here. Um, okay, so we want to hear a lot more about your story, origin, how you came up. But first, I got to ask you, with the resume that you got, you doing this, you you multi hyphen, and it's a you good resume. Serving. We just right. took the deep it's, dive. It's fire dot com. You know, what I'm saying. My question to you is, right now, do you feel checked for in the world of film and TV? Ugh, no. <laughs> There it is. No. That, all right, we got to put I'm another sorry. another dollar in the bucket. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah, the twelfth like, awesome person who we've had right. on who has literally said that. You know, I think because like no no one. Okay, I'm, hmm. yeah, I just feel like nobody ever you know knows who I am. Like I remember after Southside came out, like going flying back to Chicago to see my family and like walking through Midway, and I was like, okay. Maybe just one, you know, uh-huh. and it's like, it's not like you, you you don't do it, you know, for notoriety, but it's like right. a nice thing. And I was curious about it. I'm like, all right, you know, the numbers are very good in Chicago. Like, let's see, like, if the city, you know, mm-hmm. here, I don't care. But I'm like, if at home, you know what I'm saying? Right, Somebody. Right. Baby, I walked that airport top to bottom, not a <laughs> side eye. Like, I was like, damn, <laughs> no one's checking for me. <laughs> Like people ask, like, oh, do you get free stuff when you home? I'm like, no. <laughs> I have not got a free Polish sausage. Like nobody cares about me. So it's interesting because like it feels like at every rung of the ladder, racial wheat, everyone kind of comes with that similar answer. Like, nah, not quite. So the question that I'm curious about is do we think do you think that you ever will really like unless you got paparazzi hanging out outside your garage, right. do you feel like from a from a work standpoint you ever will feel checked for? Or is this just a a mile marker that we keep moving every time we hit it. You know, we run on this hamster wheel forever. Um, I think that's certainly true for some people. I don't think that's true for myself mm-hmm. because I'm, um, I like to be satisfied. You know, I, I put that as a higher priority. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just feel like if I just get to the point where, like, I am taking meetings and not auditioning, um, I feel checked for at that point. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like I like that, you know. <laughs> um, or if I'm in a place where uh when developing, like I don't have to attach, you know, eighty-five thousand producing pods and like because uh, right now, you know, you just have to fight so hard yes, in development. And if I'm at the point where you know, if I say something, if I, if I state a fact about, okay, this is a part of a black woman's experience, I don't have any questions back, you know, we, we just accept that as, okay, you are the expert, which clearly I am, but um, right. 
we don't have any pushback, we don't have any notes about that, then I feel like, all right, like I'm here, I'm good, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm able to create and, and do the things that I want to do at a certain level, then I'm good. And then I can hurry up and retire at, you know, 45 and just, you, you know, garden and raise my children. I like that. That's like the de- defining checkery as like agency um, and an ability to just come in as like me, myself and I, here's my idea. Take it, Hollywood. Okay. And they're take. oh, and it's on the every screen and America. Right. Um, right. And I feel like if the anxiety levels come down, then it's like, all right, I'm being checked for like, I'm, I'm winning. I'm fine. <laughs> I just don't yeah, want to yeah. be, you know, anxious after I leave every meeting. Like, oh my God, did I, did I say too much? Did I say too little? Mm-hmm. Uh, was I too real? You know? Right. right. A, a, a very real question because Dave Chappelle showed us a long time ago, keeping it real can go wrong. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> So I, I feel you. Nice. Okay, It's cool. true. Was I too me? Like, oh, was I too gay and Jewish in that meeting? Oh, too late now. I guess I'll never know. Oh, but when that email leaks, you'll know. You know, they be happy. Right. You know, when that right. email leaks, they be like, Rachel was too gay and too Jewish for me. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> suing. And I'm like, anti-defamation league? Hello. Um, so you're a Tish grad. Um mm-hmm. I'm, I actually am also a Tisch grad, though. I was uh, in dramatic writing with uh, the rest of the students who don't make eye contact when they speak. <laughs> what um, what studio were you in? Meisner. Yeah, Meisner. Is the, at NYU, it's the smallest studio. Well, I don't know, because now, you know, things are a little different. You know, I graduated in 2010. You know, I'm not ashamed. Um, and so things are like a little different. But at the time that I was there, it was definitely the smallest studio. We only had like 17 or 18, you know, in the in your class, um, which is very small for Tish, where they're like <laughs> groups of 300. Right, um, right. But yeah, mine is, is serious, you know? It's like, it, it's it's being real under imaginary circumstances, so it's mm-hmm. not like um, like a Stanislavski, you know, method. Because like the point is, it's like trying to protect who you are, you know? It's like, all right, if you plan like a really twisted and terrible character, you need to you need to figure out a way to go ahead and leave that for when you go home and you're not being wow. that person around your family and your kids and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I love it, you know, because I'm a, I'm a sensitive, you know, I'm a sensitive person. So I don't, mm. I can't, I don't want to sit in that shit all day. Yeah. I really hate it. That's, that's but, cool. It's like working in self-preservation into the craft. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's they really should start awesome. saying that. That's good. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll sell it to the, I'll sell that sentence to NYU. Um, maybe finally get some money out of them instead of the reverse. I, Girl. No, but it, I think it's crazy that, um, that NYU is not doing like a, a because there's so much talent there, right? Like you mm-hmm. are in dramatic writing. If we were there at the same time, I would have never seen you. We would have never spoken. We, we are inhabiting the same spaces, you know, frequently, but there's, like, no conversation between studios. And so, like, I mean, you really have, like, all the ingredients for, like, a bunch of bomb-ass indies and, like, student projects, but, like, yes. we are not yes. in conversation. Yeah, the way they keep that school separated is just, like, it's limit, it limits everyone. I, I totally agree with that. And it's a little ghetto, I think. You know, it's a little ghetto. You know, you're paying all that money. <laughs> right. Like, could I get a little bit something more than, like, unlimited bathroom use at Tish for the rest of my life? You know? Exactly. Like, come on. Exactly. Um, 
Now, right around that, so after you graduated, you created the web series Downtown Girls. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're very much, yes, you went to school for acting, but you're very much a creator. Was there a time when you kind of made the shift from like acting to also writing? Or were you always kind of doing those two things together? Um, I was always doing them together, but I didn't know that I was, right? So mm-hmm. it would be things like um, when we would have auditions and, you know, you bring in a monologue. Well, I, I did not really identify with anything. And so mm-hmm. I was always writing my own monologues, but I was ghostwriting them. And I was like, you know, making a fake play it was from and a fake author, right. and, you know, <laughs> just because I just, nothing was, you know, speaking to me. Um, but I certainly did not think of myself as a writer. You know, I mm-hmm. thought of myself wholly as an actress. And then when I graduated, um, I had like a, you know, small agent or whatever, but like, Nothing was happening in my career. And I had assumed, like, okay, I'm getting this, you know, what they tell me is, like, this prestigious degree, and I've had all this training, and, like, okay, when I come on the scene, they're going to be like, yo, who is that? She is a star, and, like, nobody. Then no one was checking for me, okay? Like, (laughs) no one. I don't even know if I was checking for myself at that point. And so, um, yeah, it it was terrible. And everything that I was going out for, it was, like, slave roles or like baby mama roles and mm-hmm. you know and I wasn't even booking that it was like I can't even book the jobs I don't want yeah uh, so this is not this is not working and so um my friends and I who we were also living together um we decided to create a web series and at that time we were really just doing it to have a reel basically to have something yeah. to show because it yeah. was like okay if if I can't show people who I am and what my type is, then they're never going to know because they have such a limited perception of what, you know, a young black woman is. So mm-hmm. I need to, we need to open these, open these gates up. Um, and we started in like the first, I mean, there are versions of that web series that may remain unseen because they, <laughs> they were rough because we were, we were learning. So everything was overwritten and like, yeah. um, and like, uh, very combative. It was like super, you know, because it was like, ooh, people love that, you know, mm-hmm, good, get mm-hmm. some good fights, go, you know, and it was like right. stupid. Um, and then, you know, over time, we just got like better and better. And, and then, it, I don't know, we just kind of realized that like we were writing and we were creating and that we were loving that aspect of the process too, like being yeah. in control of the narrative and feeling like, okay, I'm saying something that I don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and other people seem to be, you know, once we put out the first season, it was like other people, this seems to be resonating with people. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah, so once the bug bit after after that first season, it was like, okay, we're writers now. Yeah. This is what we do. Yeah, I think that it there's a benefit to being a writer-performer. I identify as that as well because you're right, you can make the roles that you want to see. I feel my personal dream role would be like some old spinster who runs an apartment complex and like lightweight <laughs> hordes, you know what I mean? Like a good character. Um, what are what are the roles that like you are drawn to creating for yourself? I typically like, I like tough girls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a lot of the Officer Turner characters. I was characters. just about to say, Sergeant Turner. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of that, you know, I've put some... I've put a hand in. I've taken quite a bit of ownership over over that lady. Um, and I, I think it's because I'm from Chicago and like, you know, just the women that I grew up around, like everyone is, everybody's tough. Like, 
you know, be could be so soft on the inside and so sweet, but like Chicago girls, you know, we have to be as cold. The city's crazy. You, you got to be tough. Um, also, you know, eventually I love playing drug addicts. Oh my God, it's so fun. It's like, it feels really? so good. Oh my God. It's, it's like- a, One could say you kind of get a high. Yo, ooh, look there at you, you Bart. He's full of Bart. Yeah, it just feels, oh, it feels so like uh, freeing in a way. Cause like, I don't um and yeah, you are like you're, you're high, like you're under the influence, and it's 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 fun. Um, and it, you know, it's a it's a safe way to be high, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> I don't right. have to really yeah, do no. heroin. Um, right. <laughs> you know, but but I can enjoy it. Um, and this is not a role that I'm gonna you know want to create for myself, but I just want to put out in the atmosphere that I am trying to play Chitara from the Thundercats. So you know, what I'm saying, just let me know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you heard it here first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, trying to get that going. Um, but now, like, also moving into a space, um, like, with my writing partners where we're, like, starting to think of, like, you know, like, um, action, you know, mm-hmm. action-y type situations, which is a, which is an arena I never really thought about because I was like, mm, that sounds like some shit you have to really work out for. Like, I don't, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. But it was like, this is not a space we're seeing black women in. And so it's like, all right, clearly we need to create a lane. like. So if I got to go to the gym, I go to the gym. Mm. Well, it sounds like what you what you're saying and what you've been working towards are, are kind of come to this perfect intersection. I want to talk about one of my favorite characters on television, Sergeant Turner, uh, mm. who is the first cop I have ever rooted for since RoboCop. RoboCop, I only rooted for because I knew he could be turned off <laughs> immediately. From what it sounds like, you got an opportunity to really put yourself and kind of your own history in Chicago women and that toughness into it. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious as a Chicago native and in the eye of the storm of what is like really shitty police community relations episode 3096, you know, how, how do you manage to bring such light and fun and hilarity, but also toughness to, to playing an officer? Right. I think that's like the overall energy of the show, right? Because like when you're dealing with Chicago, which is a city that we all know has its challenges, but that's also something that's focused on a lot, right? But those of us who are from there also know that it is a beautiful city that is really full of people doing their best, you know what I'm saying? Just like, just trying to take care of their families um, and who are joyous people who can really turn, you know, shit to cronuts, you know, like we are a special breed. And so I feel like that's kind of like my approach, you know, with Turner in certain respects. Like she she is having fun because like she is from the community. So she's like working with her people every day. She's seeing people she knows, like and she and she has some power. And we all know people love power. Oh yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Um and she can be a little a little twisted with her power, but there's also small things that she does that really are like good, you know, for the community. Like um, she ain't gonna beat your ass as bad, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I like to think of uh, Sergeant Turner not as a dirty cop, but as just like a little musty cop, you know? Ooh, ooh. yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, like uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna toe the line, pushing a little bit, but we're not gonna crisscross applesauce it, you know? I'm not right. Gonna, 
this body cam footage is not going to be that bad. At the end of the day with her, it's like, she's just going to do what is best for her. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, except for when it comes to Goodnight. Now, when it comes to him, it is malicious at times because he is so annoying. Oh, my like, God. Like, so annoying. <laughs> but with the rest of the world, it's not, it's not malicious. You know, like, you can count on that. It's not, she's not trying to hurt you. She's just taking care of her. And, right. you know... You know, you got to break a few eggs sometimes. <laughs> right. You know, and it'd be what it is. Uh, speak, speaking of Officer Goodnight, officer good I would have never known that uh, given the 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 amazing kind of fairly odd couple relationship that Turner and Goodnight have, I would have never guessed uh, without the internet that you and Bashir are, are married. That's your that's yeah, your that's real life hub. partner. That's well, your whole husband. That's my husband. So mm-hmm. you... Uh, like our mutual friend and former guest, Will Miles, are mm-hmm. one of the few folks in film and television who's managed to successfully shit where you eat. Um, yep. So what what's it like getting to work so closely, both on the page and in front of the screen uh, with your husband and like have so much fun as, you know, this fairly odd couple on, on TV? You know, it's interesting because before we shot, uh, Diallo, who was also a creator of Southside um, and Bashir's part, uh, writing partner. So um, he he had said, you know, he was like, okay, this could go, you know, one of two ways. Like, you guys are going to have great chemistry or it's going to be Gili. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> like, I had that in my head so much before we started because I was like, damn, if the chemistry is, like, trash between these two characters, I'm like, what's that say about us? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God. This is, you know, and also, you just don't want to fumble the bag. Like, this is my first big moment. Like, I'm right. not trying to ruin this. Um, but, you know, when we did our first scene together, I was like, okay. You know, I can't, you can't see it, but you can feel that, like, the, okay, we have a rhythm, like right. we have a rapport. This is this feels like it's working, um, and it's fun because there's just like a a trust there, and like also we could be really ridiculous with each other because you know there's trust and like we're ridiculous in the house, and mm-hmm. so like it's okay. It's like it's hard to go too far, you know, with each other. Like he we can't really offend each other, you know, because we roast each other so much at home that it's like, it doesn't matter. Um, So on set is fun. In the room, it really, yeah, it just feels like, you know, that's my boss and he's like everybody else's boss, you know. Right. Sometimes he gets on my nerves, you know, because he requires a a certain level of excellence. I guess the only different thing is that I, we work at home too. You know, everybody else. I guess they get to go home at the end right. of the day. But you know, we're we're still here. You know, chatting about whatever. Yeah. Um. So I'm working overtime. I'm not getting paid overtime though. You know. I was about to but, say it must be hard to turn it off. Then like, the temptation um, just keep. Yeah, like definitely, on like a you know a few a few hours after you know because it's like it's still buzzing you know but yeah. I, I kind of I like it too you know it's like it's like fun to talk about but then there's a certain point and because we have a child now like there's definitely a certain point where it's like all right yeah this the, we done talking about that it's time to get to the parenting yeah right but I mean now it seems like you, it, it's really from a work and production standpoint it feels like maybe one hand washes the other now. Uh, you've got Black Girl Magic coming down the pipeline. Um, Very so both of you are, are yeah, developing you know what? And things. Y'all got to drop. Yeah, I got to really, you know, I got to drop some 
some science thing about Black Girl Magic. It may break your heart, but you know, NBC passed on that show. You know, no. so. what? That's just. <laughs> Uh, I know when you're doing the intro, you know, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was like, oh, Lord, no. Did you shoot a pilot? Because No, no, we just, we uh, wrote a pilot. No, yeah. we wrote a pilot. Um, and it's a, we stand behind it. We're really proud of it. And, you know, we're figuring out some other stuff to do with that IP, um, you know, thinking some other routes. So it is not dead. We are still working, you know, we're still talking with um, Gabrielle Union and, mm-hmm. and Holly right. Shakur, that, um, and they're the best. But, like... That's the thing about development, right? That like when I first started in this industry, it, it used to really like mess me up because you like you you working so hard and like everything feels so positive and everyone's like, this is great. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to pass. And then it's right. like, wait, what? Don't I wait. know this feeling? Yo. Oh my God, you love this. And like now it's it's a much different, you know, situation. I mean, I, I think when we were doing the web series, I'll never forget this moment. It was like the... We were told that we were like gonna get this thing on a. Pharrell had that platform, I Am Other, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I um, and you know, it was like a major thing to us that we were like having meetings over there. And this guy was like, "Yeah, like we're gonna get you on I Am Other." And like, um, Issa Rae had just partnered with I Am Other, mm-hmm. so she was definitely you know a huge inspiration. And so it was like, "Oh shit!" Like we really are, you know, following her tracks. Mm-hmm. And then was so geeked, you know, I told people, and then it did not happen. And yeah. I was I was here in LA. It was like I had my first year here, and I was in my shower just crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, I got out of that shower. I said never again, bitch." <laughs> Let the rain <laughs> fall down, type moment. Oh my um, god, it was so dramatic. It was such a '90s video. I said, "You will never again waste, you know, two hours of your day being like, oh my god, my career is over.'" So yeah, you know, it should be happening. You be writing your little heart out, yes, and then it don't work. You know, it's it's fine. The way yeah. the way that they lights camera action and play with our emotions in this industry, you know, it's true. It's <laughs> just like me. we. Oh my god, it was such a great conversation. We loved having you. We love every single thing about you. There's not a word you've ever written that I didn't enjoy. And get the fuck out of my office. Never come back again. Right. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. We right. love you. What are you gonna do about it? Right. What are you gonna do about all the love? <laughs> I would love to see some act, some tangibility. <laughs> Wow. I feel like it's even stronger in LA because in New York, I feel like you do get, you know, a little more of like the, they they let you know a little earlier, like, yeah. all right, we're not really fucking with this. You know, right. you, you feel the vibes and you're like, well, let me just go ahead and just get my ass out this room. Right. Because um, right. clearly and it's, this, this ain't happening. It's so different than coming back to Chicago, right? Where if someone doesn't like you, you will know immediately. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. It's but, great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's I mean, you know, people all the time, you know, talk talk about how when I don't like somebody, you know, I'm polite. I will be polite to you all day, but like I'm comfortable with us not being friends. Oh, like yeah. we don't. Yeah. That's some Chicago shit. I don't know what, <laughs> what the fuck we sitting sitting around here cool bootying for. We not friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It still breaks me. It does still break me to be disliked, but it's good that it's up front. Of, you know, it's good that the cards are, in fact, on the table. There's no mistake in it. Um, well, we asked this question to truly everyone that we have on. And also, our, it was recently brought to our attention that it's a more difficult question than we think. So I'll just lay it all out. This is the moment for the plug. You can plug truly anything that... 
is deemed pluggable, anything. There's nothing too small and, of course, nothing too big. What is it? What is the one thing that you want folks checking for from you today? You know, we got we got some things in development, but I'm not going to say them because... Don't, you know, right. don't want that moment where you got to tell people, right. <laughs> hey, shawty, that one ain't happening. Um, right. But, you know, what I would ask is, you know, send out the vibes for myself, um, my writing partners, Mabby BNA and Crystal Boyd. We, we are developing quite a few things. We feel very confident about them. We are getting into the animation space. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, the black girls, we do everything. Um so, you know, definitely, if you are a believer, keep us in your prayers. If you are not, just keep us in your positive thoughts. Um, but in terms of what is tangible, we are about to start shooting Southside Season 2 in April. Yeah. Ooh, please, COVID, go on, stay down, okay? <laughs> Relax down. yourself. Be easy. Um, and also, uh, Southside Season 1 is going to be coming to HBO Max very soon. I do not know the yes. exact date. But very soon. So, you know, get your HBO Max, watch it, get ready for season two. Also coming on HBO Max. Yeah. Well, this has been Ain't Nobody Checking For Me podcast. We had the wonderful Chandra Russell on. Chandra, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. We are eternally grateful for each and every one of you listeners and for Chandra. And now it's time for us to go. Peace. Checking for me, checking for me.